Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The McDonald Laurier Institute has published its latest COVID misery index installment, and I'm quoting directly from the release, Canada remains the worst country among its peers in terms of misery wrought by its ineffective response to the pandemic, particularly when compared to the United States and the UK. And this is according to health statistician Richard Audis. Dr. Sean Watley is a senior fellow of the McDonald laurier Institute. He's a former president of the Ontario Medical Association, and he's the author of When Politics Comes Before Patients. Dr. Watley's been a guest on this program before. He's back. Dr. Watley, thank you very much for the time. And can we just get an overview from you what it means when the MLI, the McDonald Laurier Institute Misery Index, as Canada is doing the worst of any of the countries we consider our peers? And I think that's 15 countries in all. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me back, Roy. So just to be clear, the total misery index ranks Canada 11th out of 15, so a little better than worst place overall. But what the researchers have done is they've taken 16 different measures. These are publicly available data feeds. They clumped them into three categories. They looked at each feed individually, but overall you can look at it by disease misery. Number two, you could look at it by response misery. And then number three, you can look at it by economic misery. And initially, we weren't at last place in the response misery category. And things in that category are things like uh, stay-at-home orders, border closure, school closures, mask wearing. But vaccination programs fall into that response misery category. So now compared to 15 countries overall, so our 14 peer countries, we now have fallen to last place because we've done so poorly on our vaccination program. So, uh, again, quoting from the release, while some countries, and this covers what you just said, but I just want to repeat it, while some countries have experienced significant declines in their incidents and deaths caused by COVID-19, Canada is facing yet another wave of the virus with too few of the sophisticated tools available to manage the disease. So the sophisticated tools that are available to this country and other countries, we don't have enough of them. That sounds very much to me like your book. Yeah, suspiciously so, doesn't it? Uh, I think what we really wanted to get our handle on here is we, this is, pandemic has killed 2.8 million people around the world. So similar agent killing people around the world, and yet every country has a similar toolbox of policy responses. And yet for some reason, some countries have been able to use those policy responses to protect their citizens, get them back to work, keep them healthy faster than we have, and all doing that with less economic misery. So a smaller change in their GDP, less impact in the, in the form of unemployment, lower borrowing and debt changes compared to the UK and other countries. And so that's what we're looking at. Is there a way that we can learn from better performers? Not much has been said or written about this, uh, this reality. Uh, we hear about, you know, a few million new doses of vaccine coming in on a monthly basis or weekly basis, and that's, of course, very welcome. But when you compare it, and the misery index does, Canada's performance with the United States, for example, where during Joe Biden's first 58 days in office, and many people give Donald Trump credit for this, but never mind assigning credit, in the first 58 days in office for Joe Biden, 100 million Americans were vaccinated, or at least 100 million vaccinations were available, and they're looking at, they're predicting that by April the 30th, so uh, the, the first 100 days of Biden's tenure, 
Uh, there'll be some 200 million vaccines available. Why are we, Dr. Watley, why are we trailing so badly? <laughs> What's going on? Seriously. I, I would love to give you a one-line answer for that. But just to add some, some meat to what you've just said, we currently rank 47th place in the, with respect to vaccinations worldwide. 16 doses of vaccine have been given for every 100 Canadians, whereas in the States, 47 doses have been given for every 100 Americans. Israel has, has done 113 doses. But just to give some real-life context to it, my, my in-laws got trapped in Florida uh, due to the pandemic. You shouldn't feel sad for them. They've actually loved their time down there. But right now, they can walk into any pharmacy they want, no booked appointment, no standing in line, no waiting uh, you know, until the computer says they can go. They can walk in, they have a choice of a number of different vaccines, and they go in and get vaccinated. And they're kind of saying, well, do I even need the vaccines? Because we're actually all out at restaurants. So the policy response is so different in other countries. Not only have other countries been able to do a better job of protecting their citizens, but the citizens actually have the ability to get on with their life, to do their work, and not be worried about paying for the economic fallout for the next two decades. Meanwhile, the lockdowns and the severe restrictions continue in Canada, and uh, and and you know, it's 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 doubly troubling because I watched the uh, the uh, Players Championship uh, PGA Championship a couple of weeks ago, being played in Florida, and I saw not one player, not one caddy was wearing a mask. Very few people of the fans, and I didn't have as many fans as they usually do, but there were thousands in attendance. Nobody was wearing a mask. And just the other day, the CDC, if I have this correctly, has indicated that Americans will be able to travel again. Um, and here we are. We're, we're locking down, and we're, we're, we're heavily restricting our population from having interaction with one another with the uh, resultant costs that go beyond the financial, that include the emotional, and and I is there a light at the end of this tunnel? I'm just babbling here, but I, no, I find this really babbling. disturbing. Yeah, and and I've heard so many people say the same. And you know, to your point, Roy, it's not just the frustration that healthy people are feeling. Uh, my heart goes out to all the people that in in my own practice who can't get the care that they need. They're not getting the cancer screening. They're not able to get in for a, a radiologic scan of their lump or their bump. Um, they're they're actually in a number of cases dying because they go to the hospital too late, they're too scared to go, or they're just not able to get in. So we're not going to have that data for a while yet. We've been focusing on one risk above all else. 300 people die in Ontario every single day, and those aren't dying from COVID. That's pre-COVID. Now, you know, the COVID yeah. deaths run, run in the teens and the 20s. Yeah. And so we need to have thought put to all the other risks that we're facing as well. Well, absolutely. The collateral damage is huge. If you look at the if you look at the second, uh, you know, people who require attention, we've heard a lot about cancer patients, but the collateral damage of COVID that goes beyond the actual dealing with COVID nineteen, huge. Yeah, and we've had time to prepare for this. Listen, long term care was on desperate straits before COVID. Yep. Yep. As as we said before, two point five beds per one thousand population in Canada, whereas you have four point seven in Europe. So we've had over a year now to prepare for this, and to be talking about lockdowns at this point is is pretty frustrating. If we look at, um, and I would like to see Canada number 14 out of 15, or as you said earlier, 11 out of 15, then we're, we don't belong there. Mm-hmm. We really should not be there. But the COVID misery index, which is what the MLI is uh, has, has released, 
It's updated. I'm looking for reading from the release here. It's updated regularly to track changes in the trajectory of the pandemic. Its findings also reflect, in large part, criticism leveled at the federal government in a recent report by the Auditor General of Canada. Would you speak to that, please? Yes. So the Auditor General report is fascinating. I hope your listeners take the opportunity to check it out. It's available online. And they came out with very strong language against the fact that the risk assessment leading into the pandemic was poorly done. I forget the exact uh, phrase. Perhaps perhaps you have it in in front of you. I believe they said something along the lines of failure. And um, that's just one of a number of other bits of data that's coming out. There's also a Kai-Hai piece that just came out. We can talk about that, too, if you want. Well, absolutely. But let me just read from the, uh, from the release. According to the Auditor General, Canada has a slow and disorganized response to the pandemic. Likewise, the COVID misery index finds that Canada performs worse than most peer countries in terms of controlling the reproduction rate of the virus by failing to employ a more efficient testing regime. And without a quick vaccine response like the U.S. or U.K., Canada continues to be dependent on heavy-handed lockdowns to keep cases low, adding more misery for Canadians. And that's where we are now. Yeah, so either either you can try to keep the virus completely out of your country, like some of the other small countries have done, massive testing. So if you look at Australia and New Zealand, huge number of tests per population, and they've been able to really isolate the disease uh, uh, well and contact tracing, that sort of thing. Once you get over a hump of having too many people in your population, so you get it towards an endemic state where the disease, the, the bug is everywhere. Now you have to take a different approach. And really the only way out of that is a massive vaccination program. But at the same time, we are locking down, not so much because of the disease itself, but because a system that we're supposed to be relying on doesn't have the capacity required to care for even a few extra hundred people getting sick. So we added 1,500 new ICU beds last year in Ontario. We peaked at um, 1,600 patients admitted to hospital at, in the peak of wave two, and uh, we only had uh, you know, 400, 450 at the most in ICU. Now, our ICU numbers are going up, but we still haven't come anywhere near the 1,500 new beds. That's on top of the 2,400 beds, ICU beds that existed before. So if we had all these people in one COVID hospital, it would not be full. Yeah. And I find that there are people who become very defensive if you challenge anything that's going on or is considered orthodoxy in Canada. They somehow feel that it's un-Canadian, that it's unfair. Well, I'll tell you what's unfair. Um, a young man who's on the opposite other side of the glass from me, who's in his early 20s and had a health issue, he uh, finds himself in a position where he could be immunocompromised, or will be for the rest of his life. He's not eligible for the vaccine. What's going on with that? Oh, yeah. The vaccine rollout itself, I think that data is going to come in later. Certainly when you have areas where 80-year-olds aren't getting the vaccine and other people under 20 in certain areas and demographics are getting the vaccine, that's going to create its own fiasco. But I think citizens are starting to get frustrated because the policy rollout doesn't make sense. So you have one store that has a small retail area but a large warehouse. So if you look at the total square feet, they could actually fit 400 people in the store, but they never get more than 20 people. So even at a 25% capacity, they're still allowed to have 100 people. Well, if they had 100 people in the retail space, you'd be shoulder to shoulder. And yet they're allowed to stay open at 25% capacity. When another place closes, it just doesn't make sense. People are going to get, aren't going to get, they are frustrated. 
And these are their livelihoods we're talking about. Well, later on in the show, actually, the top of the next hour, we're going to be speaking to a restaurant owner who joined us some months ago who had uh, put so much money, his own investments and borrowed money, to build a restaurant with a 100-seat capacity and then found himself embroiled in COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns and wasn't eligible for support because, government support, because it was a new business. So we're going to find out from him where he is now. And I've seen some of the information he wants to share with us and people won't want to miss that. But this is the reality. So, uh, Dr. Watley, let's conclude with this. Um, I'm reading again from the release from MLI. As some countries edge closer to herd immunity from vaccines and loosen restrictions on civil liberties, their overall misery will drop significantly. Countries like Canada, forced to employ public health restrictions due to lagging vaccinations, may continue to also see elevated excess death rates despite relatively low rates of infection. What, what, do you, what, what is it saying? Well, our death rate has gone up from people who don't have covid And that is truly tragic. So we have to start facing the fact that people are actually dying because of these lockdowns themselves. And again, we're going to have more data uh, coming in over the next six to nine months. But we already see a bump in excess mortality for the above 15-year age group. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be good neighbors. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Yeah, of course. But, But we need to do better. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.